okay, you have to tell me if there's life after death. If you can hear me, you need to give me a concrete sign that I will recognize, not some sort of, you know, feather on the ground or, and I don't know, maybe two, three weeks went by and I had forgotten. I even said this, I was sleeping and I'm the type of person, I guess who's very fortunate. I sleep very soundly and nothing wakes me up. This particular night I was woken up in the middle of the night and I was in a lucid state. I wasn't completely awake, but I had a voice telling me to write down a phone number and I scribbled this phone number down, which I, when I woke up, I don't, didn't remember doing this. It felt like it was part of my dream or in my dream. And I woke up in the morning and I looked over and I said to my partner, I said, well, do you know what, what is this phone number? It's obviously my writing. I don't remember writing that. And then I remembered it sort of in the middle of the night, there was a voice telling me that it was important. I remember the word important, write down the phone number. So I, I called the phone number. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a science skeptic, and when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? I'm talking with Krista and she reached out to me on email after reading some of what the fuck and she's just a completely grounded normal person who was pretty blown away by some what the fuck things that happened to her and which I think kind of shows that just ordinary people have these experiences all the time so she can introduce herself okay hi I'm just an ordinary person who, yes, have had some really odd experiences in the last five or so years that changed my mind about, um, I guess, the existence of our consciousness surviving our bodies after death. And uh, it's thrown me into, you know, 
researching the topic because I'm a researching kind of person. I have to <laughs> research everything. I've always been that way. And like Liz, I found some interesting things that are really enlightening. So I guess that's why I'm here today. Is that right? That is. What were your original thoughts most of your life about what happens after we die? I'll go back to you know my childhood, which was um, my dad was pretty much an atheist. He was an engineer, so he was very science-minded, very logical. And my mother, who would have had influence on me, got sick when I was very young. She was Catholic. She grew up in Catholic orphanages, um, and her parents were Italian immigrants, so they were very Catholic. And she believed, but I think she kind of, because of the time it was in the 60s and 70s, she went along with my dad. You know, he didn't want to go to church, so she wasn't going to go to church. So I didn't have that influence at all. Um, so to answer your question, it was, I pretty much didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I thought religion was sort of a bunch of man-made crap. You know, I, I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of good messages in religion, but I felt similarly to what my dad had said, which is, I don't need to go to church to be a good person. And that's sort of the attitude I took on most of my life. So that was sort of my background growing up until even when my mom passed, my mom passed when I was 20 and I didn't, you would have thought back then I would have, you know, launched myself into, is there, you know, life after death, but, but that it didn't for some reason, she was sick for 15 years and it was more of a relief when she passed. So I don't know, does that answer your question a little bit about my background? It does. Yeah, it sounds like actually we were fairly similar in what we thought. Religion was just a, either completely man-made and complete nonsense or a culture, but nothing beyond that. Right. And I do remember some of the neighborhood moms when my mom was in the hospital a lot. I went with their kids after school. It was called CCD. It was like, I don't, I, I don't even know what it stood for, but it was, it was like um, classes for children about God and church and whatever. And I remember asking very logical questions and annoying the instructor. <laughs> I think I would have done that if I'd ever been sent to actually try it to the to religious schools. Yes. So it was just, I was asking too many questions, just sit back and listen, you know, so I was that kind of kid. And so I, I ended up falling asleep after school and all these classes. So that was pretty much the extent of my education on religion. <laughs> I think we would have been friends as little kids. It sounds like. <laughs> and it's just one thing that I think so many people just don't realize is that religion and afterlife, I mean, they're two completely different things. I mean, I don't even think of religion tied into this. It's just so much of what we're taught is that right. religion, afterlife, you know, when I often mention that I've started researching afterlife to people, they'll be like, oh, you mean like God? Or they'll say, I don't believe in God or heaven. I'm like, well, I don't believe in God or heaven either. This is just a lot more about science and consciousness and the study of consciousness. So yeah, to me, the two are just completely different things, except that they've been intertwined in a fable type of story. Well, that's what fascinates me now is 
sort of that um, merging now of science and spirituality. And, and yeah, that's what interests me a great deal. That's what kind of made forced me into delving into this topic. What happened that made you start to look and what was the first thing that first thought you had that even motivated you to look? Uh, well, I was giving that some thought because I thought, okay, how did this all start? What was it? And um, the very first thing I remember was when one of my dogs died in 2010. And it was, it rocked my world because his particular, while I had lost other dogs, his particular death was really sudden. Like he was here one day, gone the next. I didn't have time to slowly prepare myself for this. And he, he got some sort of weird infection and got sepsis and was gone within like 24 hours of us taking our last walk where he was perfectly fine. So I was just really uh, rocked by that. And what was interesting was, um, okay, so that threw me in kind of into a little bit of a depression. And I remember, now this was in retrospect, and this was a weird thing that happened, and it never happened to me before. It was back when we had digital cameras that had the little uh, flashcards you put in there. It wasn't that long ago. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. So it was a digital camera, not a film camera. And it was, I remember very vividly now because I have the photo. Uh, it was August 15th of 2010, and he died August uh, 20th of 2010. And I had just gotten out of our hot tub. It was, uh, we used it as a swimming pool in the summer. It was really hot and I had come in and I had taken my jeans off and thrown them on the ground and I came back in and he was laying down on my jeans on the floor and he just, he looked just adorable. Uh, so I had my camera sitting right there and I thought, oh, I'll just take a quick picture of him while he's looking adorable there. And he, he was like a little, he was a little Boston Terrier that looked like a French bulldog. And I went to take the picture and and my partner was with me and she saw this whole thing happen. The camera started doing this really weird thing and clicking on its own. And then it got stuck. And it, it I, I, I remember saying, that's weird. I, my camera's never done that. So I tried taking another photo and it did the same thing. And then it just took a shot. And the photo was of the jeans on the floor, but just he was missing from the photo. I didn't think a whole lot of it. And he was lying on the jeans and he just didn't show up in the photo. That's the only thing that didn't show up. And the photos had this weird, like kind of translucent, weird, I can show you the photo at some point. But yes, the only thing missing from the photo was him. And like I said, I didn't think a whole lot of it until he died five days later. And um, that was the last photo I ever took of him. And he wasn't in it. And I, and I still to this day think that's, it's never happened to me again. I've used that camera, you know, at there after for a couple of years. And it was just an odd thing to me. It, I felt like it was almost a sign. <laughs> and I've had other people look at the photo. You know, I've had uh, actually some people that are more like medium type people. And I didn't tell them anything about the photo. I just said, look at this photo and tell me what you think about it. That's all I've said. And three of them, three different people said the same thing. I see a dog laying on the photo, sleeping. Like they, they could see that. And I said, but there's no dog in the photo. They said, that's just what they see, but not like physically see, like they see in their head. So that was the first weird thing, just weird thing that ever happened. But as years went on, I, I thought, okay, what, you know, it just sort of fades and you just think, okay, it was just whatever. It was just an electronic glitch that happens. That was what I thought. 
And then during that time, there was a show on. I was doing a lot of polyurethaning in the house. I was doing a lot of home improvement shows. Uh, I mean, uh, home improvement to my house. And I was watching shows on TV. And one of the shows back then was called I Survived Beyond and Back. And it was all about near-death experiences. So I just thought that was really fascinating. And I'm kind of giving you, I guess, a chronological order of what how I got here today. So that intrigued me. And then I started reading some books on near-death experiences. And, you know, I dove into that subject for a while. And then another, I, I wrote this all down so it would just be bullet points for you. <laughs> because that's how I do things. And then in 2012, so this was like a year or so, about a, a year or so later, after the dog photo and me kind of opening my mind up to things, just being a little more open to things, right? Not as shut down about afterlife. I was doing, you know, a mundane task, laying sod, right? So I was just sort of out there laying sod and just, you know, spacing out. And this voice, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up to this one because this one was pretty significant. So Oscar dies and then we get another pup, Louie. And I was cleaning the hot tub out. So this was um, September of 2010, a month after the thing happened with the photo. And I always make sure the hot tub steps are rolled away from the hot tub and the lids closed at all times when we're not out there because of the dogs. Well, I was cleaning it out and refilling it and scrubbing it. And I had just waxed the top of it and... Louis was a French bulldog and he was, I don't know, maybe 10 weeks old now, 12 weeks old. And I turned around just for a moment to hose off the filter and I was hosing out the filter and a voice shouted in my head. It was not my own voice. And I know this sounds really weird. Um, It wasn't my own voice and it was not my own thought. I did not create this thought and I don't know how any other way to put it, but the voice said, hot tub and it shouted and I can't tell you if it was a male voice a female voice it was just a voice and I turned and he was in the water paddling with his head up frantically he had slipped he went up the steps and slipped on the waxy edge and French bulldogs can't swim anyway because they're like cannonballs but I I whatever this voice was saved my dog and I had just lost my other dog and I have never, I am so conscientious when it comes to my pets. So I almost just, you know, to this day, I can't believe that that happened and I allowed that to happen, but it was just like a second I turned my back. So again, these things didn't mean a lot to me until retrospectively when I look back now, because they've all added up. I remember I had one weird experience with my cat. Actually I had a few, but it makes me think of, I was, shortly after college and I was looking for an apartment in New York and I was subleasing a room from one of my friends there. And I didn't, I'm I'm from New York, but I didn't feel like living with my parents because my friend had this room and I don't know why, but I woke up just suddenly, like I'd had the window in the room open and wondered, I was like, I wonder if this is open too wide, but I think it's okay because I had my dog and cat there. And I don't know why I woke up at four in the morning and looked at my, I was really calm. I just woke up, saw my cat starting to walk, climb out the window. And I just like instinctively, completely automatically and calmly pulled her in, closed the window most of the way and went back to sleep as if it was the most normal thing. And this was way before I started studying any of this. And I woke up the next morning and I was kind of like, 
what the fuck was that? That's weird. Yeah, I have no idea what prompted me to do that. And it was just what was weird was how completely normal it was just automatic. Like if you know, it felt as normal and automatic as if you woke up in the middle of the night and like, realize your light was still on you'd fall asleep and you just get up turn it off and go back to sleep you know just i didn't really think about it until i started studying all this stuff and realized i had a lot of weird not as weird as things started to get when i started studying this but weird little things along the way well like i like you i mean i i'm guessing prior to me you know prior to 2010 i'm sure i've had lots of these little things but they just i just dismissed them they didn't they weren't significant enough for the one thing that happened for me to think it was really that unusual you know and then time goes on but when i started paying attention and then added them all up and looked at things in retrospect i started thinking like what wow oh, i remember that i remember that then it started coming together and became more significant and meaningful to me one one time if something happens, whatever, I, it's a, you know, it's a coincidence. And then, but when things start happening over and over, I'll give you an example, like the voice thing. That was significant to me because the emotion tied to it was panic. My dog's going to die. It almost drowned. This thing saved my dog, this voice, right? So I always remember that. And I'm sure I've had little voices here and there, but the other thing that happened that I'll never forget, and it was, again, I felt like it potentially saved my life. It was probably in 2015. I was, I would take my boxer for um, late at night when there weren't cars around in our neighborhood. I would ride him alongside my bike with me. And I would always take the same route because I knew, you know, where the traffic was or wasn't and what routes were safe. So I was riding with him. I mean, we would run. He would, I mean, fast. We were probably going 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. And a voice said to me, don't go straight, turn left. It's that street's creepy. And I don't know where that came from. The word creepy. And I thought I drive, I go, I go down past this house all the time. And I don't know where the word creepy came from, but that was the word turn left. It's creepy. And I turned left. And as soon as I turned left with him, I heard gunshots. And then a car was sped by with teenagers in it. And I later found out because the police came and, and the news team came and they wanted to know if there were witnesses. And I happened to be a witness and some teenagers threw a bunch of eggs at this vet's house. And I guess he was suffering from PTSD and they kept teasing him and throwing eggs at his house. So he pulled a gun out and shot at these kids and bullets went across the street to another house. And so I would have driven right with my bike and my dog through there. And there was something like, you know, six, seven shots. And I always took the same route. I always took that same, you know, I knew it was like, you know, a couple mile bike ride and that that was it. I, it was a void. And so that stuck with me because. How did you make sense of that? I didn't. I just thought, oh, maybe it's like my subconscious. Maybe, maybe my subconscious knows something. I don't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't rationalize it. I was just, I thought, it was a premonition of some sort. Like I knew something was going to happen before I, I, I didn't, I couldn't. The only other thing I think of is, well, maybe my mom's up there. You know, you think maybe my mom's up there looking after me. <laughs> it wasn't my time or I, I don't know. I mean, even now I feel like studying all this, I'd be like, that could be so many things. That could be your mom, a grandma, a spirit guide. It could be us, you know, we sense time differently, you know, and we're like, time's an illusion and we get, subconscious warnings that I mean there's just so much we it's just it just does show that our 
material, very science-minded. I hate to say science-minded because I think there's so much science-minded exploration of this phenomena, but you know, the traditional science-minded, it, it absolutely doesn't fit into that paradigm. It literally does not fit in. If that happened, then the material science-minded world is not the full picture. Well, we have, I call it a three-dimensional perspective of everything. And there are far more dimensions than three. They say the fourth dimension is time or something. And then, I mean, try to imagine what a fifth dimension is. We can't comprehend that. So if there are three dimensions, why can't there be more? It's just, we can't comprehend that. So if we can't comprehend that, there are many, many things we can't comprehend. Just when I think of, okay, if you travel faster than the speed of sound, you know, it creates that sonic boom. Can you travel so fast that you catch up to the sound, you know, circle back around, like just that. You know what I'm saying? Like sound is like 720 miles an hour or something. Is that what it is? I don't know, something like that. But if you travel faster than the speed, just that alone is hard for me to comprehend. And there's so much we just can't comprehend. Like we cannot comprehend the concept of infinity, but I mean, infinity has to exist. I mean, there has to have been something infinitely in the past and something infinitely in the future. And what if you were to travel next to the speed of light? Okay, we accept we can't travel at the speed of light, although that's another conversation if we could in some way. But if we were to travel at almost the speed of light in one direction for one billion years, like what would happen? Maybe time goes backwards. I don't know. And I know time's man-made, but if you're traveling faster than the speed of light does, then time, you go back in time. There's that whole thing. But we need to get back to your story because I feel like we both are fascinated by this stuff and could talk for like another hour and your story is amazing. Sometimes it gets so overwhelming that um, it's disturbing and I have to stop because it's unsettling. I just want to go back to just being the old me that just sort of believed in the simple things because it can be too much. (laughs) I can relate to that completely. There are so many times I'm like, I would, yeah, my life was easier before all this. Right. Wasn't it? (laughs) When your head was in the sand? (laughs) It was just like lighter and fun. I mean, I had other issues that I felt I was dealing with and I mean, things weren't perfect, but it was, it was a lighter existence maybe, or I don't even know the word, just shallower um which has its negatives and its positives you know well like being a child where you're more naive to things you know i i tell my partner often i wish i could go back to when i thought all policemen and all doctors and all people of authority were good you know when you're a child you think everybody and then you realize (laughs) not everybody is and everybody's just a bunch of grown-up kids with the same problems we all had when we were younger in high school and you know just with adult bodies. That's true. Yeah, I, I don't know when I'm trying to, I don't remember. I th- I definitely thought adults had it a lot more figured out than they do, but I had a lot of like fucked up teachers at my school when I was little. So I didn't have a lot of that idealization because of how poorly my elementary school was run. Well, that's sad. It is sad. It's really unfortunate. That should be a time of bliss for you, right? Elementary school. It should. <laughs> it was horrible. I don't think I have one good thing to say about the school. Oh. So, so my first grade teacher and second grade teacher were lovely, but like the ones in the other homeroom were terrible. It was just such a poorly run school. Very, very like, 
shame-based and authoritarian. And- I was going to say, you're, yeah, you're not Catholic. You're Jewish, right? So obviously. You're Jewish, atheist. New York private school was supposed to be more artsy. And so my parents kept clinging to like its reputation. And yeah. It was, I mean, it was sort of like a comedy of errors, you could say my time there, (laughs) but it definitely, I would classify it as trauma and definitely like twist, like gave me an insight into that adults are really fucked up and often don't know what they're doing. Wow. Way too young. Yeah. An early lesson. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Thank you. I mean, it wasn't physically abusive, but I think it was very psychologically abusive. So. Oh, yeah. I I think that can be worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't have any evidence. Like, I think if I'd come home and said my teacher, like, hits us, like, I would have been pulled out. But it was like, you know, it wasn't, it's sometimes you can't define things concretely. Right. You know, which is why I believe, listen to kids. If they say they're unhappy, they don't like school, they're not just like preferring to yeah, fly no. like they mean it you know no definitely emotional abuse psychological abuse is yeah that's another story I just another started. story for another time <laughs> yes and if anyone who ran that school is listening fuck you you know you get to hear that i hate you i'm not spiritually evolved enough to not hate the people who are in charge of what went down there that's another story i'm still petty but but yeah i know what you mean though there is a time where you still thought there was a certain order. And I feel like that even got more shattered, like even after Trump winning, like that was another level of, I think, a certain, I, I never thought things could go that far. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of us feel that way. For me, it was back, I don't know how old you are necessarily, but it was, I think it was uh, in uh, maybe 08 to like oh, uh, 11 when, when the foreclosure fraud stuff was going on with the banks. Right in the subprime mortgage and all this and, and how they got away with wall street got away with what they did. And you just, it was sort of a letdown. You would think I thought that too big to fail, too big to fail. If you have enough money and you know, it made me just really be become disappointed and disillusioned with our justice system in some ways that, you know, for me, that, that was like the first kind of disappointment with our system, like real big one. If you weren't directly affected, you probably like we were directly affected by it. And so I, you know, did a lot of, of course, research on it. And (laughs) it was, it was, it was awful. Yeah. A lot of lives were ruined. Anyway, I think people, all of us in our site are indirectly affected in some way from that, you know, but uh, anyway, so. So you went you were saved from running down the alley or the street where the bullets were. And so what was the next thing that happened? Club Care is a charity organization founded by Emma Justice after the loss of her father, David Justice, to glioblastoma. Club Care is dedicated to supporting children and families dealing with cancer. They strive to create joyful moments through meaningful projects impacting individual families, as well as larger oncology communities. Funding for all projects is raised through philanthropic donations. Go to makingheadway.org backslash clubcareprograms 
for a complete list of programs and activities. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom. This is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, (laughs) open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share that my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife is available now for sale. If you go to wtfjusthappened.net, you can see the link to buy it. I'll also have the link in the podcast show notes. I know many of you want to know how exactly did I come to change my mind about the afterlife? Well, this book is all about the first stages of my exploration into this afterlife evidence to where I'm at today. It starts with the awful part of when I lost my dad, how as a science-minded atheist, I first began to explore if there was any possibility of an afterlife and what and who I found most compelling. I also share some stuff that was not so compelling, such as a very clearly fake psychic medium reading and a pretty ridiculous seance, but that's balanced by some amazing peer-reviewed studies on mediums, medium readings, parapsychologists, and just a whole bunch of what the fucks, including some really inexplicable personal things that happened to me, and some really incredible signs I got from my dad. Despite the topic, it's actually funny, mainly because I'm just like such an awkward person. And you also get to learn about all the amazing people and incredible characters I met along the way, as well as more about the research that helped change my mind. And some of the people you learn about have become some of my really good friends and mentors today. So go to wtfjusthappened.net and order it. If you've already read it, please rate and review on Amazon. I cannot tell you how helpful that is. And share with any friends who might be interested. Thank you all. I'm so excited to finally share the full details of this crazy exploration with all of you. So yes, I was on my bike with him. Um, That's right. The next, well, the next thing, let's see. So it was the voice thing. So like, like, like I said, I didn't think much of, you know, hearing a voice or whatever, cause I just thought it was my subconscious mind just creating a thought. So the dog, our dog drowned, almost drowning. And then the bullets. And then the other voice thing that I remember that was significant was I was laying the sod. I think I was telling you, I was laying sod in our yard in like in 2012. And so these things all happened within like three years, four years of each each other, these voice things. And I, the name, again, it's, I know when it's not my own thought, I'm not crazy. I knew, I I know I didn't produce this, this 
thought or this voice. And it's never, I can never tell if it's male or female. And, and it's just this kind of androgynous voice. And the name Sharon was, again, it's like a shout. It sounds like this, Sharon, you know, or hot tub. That, that's how it sounds in my head. And I thought that's weird. And I knew the Sharon that was being yelled in my head was my dad's childhood friend who lived next door to him in, back in Illinois. And so she would have been in her seventies, like my dad at the time. And I thought, that's weird. Why, why am I thinking about her? Like I haven't seen her in years. And my dad was sort of, and I were sort of estranged at that time. So I hadn't gone back to visit. And I found out later that she had just died. That day. I don't know if it was that day, like just a couple of days before she she actually committed suicide in her garage and my dad was next door and it was very traumatic. So I wouldn't have thought of her. I just don't think of his childhood friends, you know, it's, it's, and so that was, that was another significant thing. It was like, what was that? Why, why did that, why did her name come into my head? So that was, that was, that was sort of my voice. And I'm sure other things have happened over the years, but it, I didn't think anything of it, you know? Didn't think anything, but those three things really made an impression on me. So, like I said, all these things, when I look back or write them down, add up to something bigger. But any one thing didn't wasn't that significant to me to like change my opinion on something. I guess your dad passed, and that made you want to look into it further. My dad passed just at the end of nineteen, so I was well on my way to believing that our Consciousness survives our bodies by the time my dad died. <laughs> I'll tell you the main thing that really, you know, like, no pun intended, put the nail in the coffin. <laughs> it was, let's see, it was the summer of, let me think about this, 2013. I went to go get some ice cream with my partner and it was um, to salt and straw. I remember this and we were waiting in line. It was hot. It was like August and we're standing in line waiting. And my partner said, Oh my God, I think that's your ex. And I looked and it was, and it was an ex of mine from 15 years prior, 16 years prior. I was probably in my, yeah, I was in my forties then. It was a little awkward because I'd been with my partner for at that time, like 15 years and she knew who she was. And so we all just sort of chatted and she had told me, I like, I hadn't seen her in 15 years. I never ran into her. This is the first time I saw her in 15 years. And she looked exactly the same pretty much. And she proceeded to tell me that she had stage four colon cancer. And I, I was, I just broke out crying. I couldn't believe it because I had just survived breast cancer myself and from, and I had that in my thirties and she was diagnosed with her colon cancer at 39, I think it was. And this is a person that like ran marathons and was really athletic and no family history of it. And she was very fit her whole life and still looked fit. And I just couldn't wrap my head around that. Like, how could this happen to you? You know? So I knew she was going to die and it just like, I just spiraled you know, into this, like, I'd never been that close to somebody that was 
so close to my age that this happened to. So she married and had children. So we, we just sort of went on our way and I just, I didn't, it was so awkward. I just, we just kind of gave each other a hug and went on our way, but I knew she could die in a couple months or a year. I had no idea, but she was just determined she was going to beat this thing. And, and I, I knew, you know, when you have stage four colon cancer, it's not the greatest prognosis. So I would check, um, like every three or four months, I would check the obituaries and it was just, you know, heartbreaking to do this, but I would do that. Like, like I said, every three or four months. Well, in so that I ran into her in 13 and early 15, I decided to check and she had passed and she had passed in September of 2014. So she lived about a year and a month after I saw her right that day. And I was just a wreck just because it made me think of my own mortality more. Like I survived my breast cancer and she didn't survive her cancer. And we were both in our thirties when this happened and like no family histories. And it just, you know, I went down the rabbit hole and I remember sitting, I was start. I got out all the old letters, you know, and all that sort of stuff and was just sort of reading the letters. And I said, I remember looking up at my ceiling and saying, I don't want to say her name, but I said, okay, you have to tell me if there's life after death. If you can hear me, you need to give me a concrete sign, a concrete sign that I will recognize, you know, not not some sort of, you know, feather on the ground or <laughs> whatever. Like I want something that is going to rock my world. Okay. So I had said this, you know, to her and I don't know, maybe two, three weeks went by and I had forgotten. I even said this, you know, cause time went on and I just got on with my life and I was feeling a little better about things. Well, what happened, okay. Was I was sleeping and I'm in the, type of person, I guess who's very fortunate. I sleep very soundly and nothing wakes me up. Um, I'm the, I have to have like two alarm clocks to wake me up. And this particular night I was woken up in the middle of the night and I was in a lucid state. I wasn't completely awake, but I had a voice telling me to write down a phone number in the middle of the night. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm so tired that like, just, I felt like I was a molasses, but I managed to grab the pen and paper next to my bed and I scribbled this phone number down, which I, when I woke up, I don't, didn't remember doing this. It felt like it was part of my dream or in my dream. And I woke up in the morning and I looked over and I said to my partner, I said, do you know what, what is this phone number? It's obviously my writing. I don't remember writing that. And then I remembered it sort of in the middle of the night, there was a voice telling me that it was important. I remember the word important, write down the phone number. So I, I called the phone number, right. And it was her voicemail with her voice on it. Your ex's voicemail. Yes. Which she had died like six months earlier. I had never had that phone number. It was a, a, a cell phone, apparently. And not the cell phone she had when you were a couple. Well, when we were a couple in the 90s, we didn't have cell phones. So this was the other thing. So it was it was just, and so I'm thinking her husband 
it was a phone number I never knew. I never called her. We we hadn't seen you know hadn't seen each other for the fifteen years. We we it. I went. I mean, I turned white. I was, I you know, I just I turned white. I thought, and then I had remembered like three or four weeks earlier me asking for a concrete sign. That that did it for me because where did that come from? Unless how did my mind get a phone number that I never had in my life, right? And so that was the most concrete thing that ever happened to me. I can't, I've heard other people say things like this and I thought, okay, until it happens to me, it's still not going to be that meaningful to me when I hear other people's stories, but when it happens to you and it, it, it is, it, it's different. It's different. But I don't know. There's some physical, almost like you feel, at least I felt when I've gotten really evidential signs, almost like I feel like waves or just this weird sort of not a typical feeling I have when I walk around, not only just shock, it's some weird, like meditative wavy feeling almost maybe that's what like, quote unquote, connecting with the other side is. Right. Or, I don't know. I absolutely love that story. What it like, what did you even say? I just can't even imagine. Like, did you tell your current partner? Oh, of course I did. Of course. I'm sure. I was she like, was- holy shit. You know, <laughs> and she's Jewish, grew up, her parents are atheist. None of the, none of this. And so she and I had been on this journey together because, um, you know, I talked to her about everything and she was there the day we ran into her. And I mean, it was as significant for my partner as me because she knows how I sleep and where would I've gotten that number. And the fact that it came to me at night like that and like the whole thing. So that was, like I said, she died the end of 14 and that happened in early 15. That's when all the other weird like it just started more other things started happening that I can't explain. And so here I am today. And I, that's how I found you. What's another weird thing that happened after that? You said all these weird stuff started happening. So let's see, this probably happened to me more than I realized, but I I didn't take notice of it and it's going to sound weird. Have you ever heard of like the one 11, 11, 11 stuff where people see that and they, like over and over and over again. Yeah, like it's supposed to be a significant number. Like people use it as a sign or... Like spirit is drawing your attention to these numbers because when you see like a couple, you know, like 11, 15, that's not going to draw your attention. If you see multiple numbers together, it would draw your attention more. So I had never heard of this. I I've never heard of this until it happened to me and I Googled it. Right. Again, I was doing a lot of like soul searching and, um, just really opening, allowing myself to just be more receptive to things. And I was in my car one night and I remember I had just taken my dog for a walk. He was with me. We went to, it doesn't matter. I went to walking at Reed college and it was late at night. And I remember driving home and I had my phone on the car seat, locked and charging. I was driving home and all of a sudden my stereo turned on on the car and was blasting a song from my phone. So the phone unlocked itself, turned itself on and started playing a song called Burning Down the House by the Talking Heads. And the phone flashed 1111 on it. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And Prior to that, I had seen these 1111s happening, but this was significant because my phone turned itself on, you know, unlocked itself and started playing a song. And on the radio, 
it said 11-11 on my phone at 7-11, And I remember telling my partner about that because this had happened one other time at 1-11 when I was driving. The phone turned itself on and started playing a song. It unlocked itself. You know, you have to have a passcode and it flashed 1-11 on the phone. So, and what song did it play that time? The 111. It was the same song. And I thought, okay, well, I looked at my song. I didn't have a lot of songs on there, but Burning Down the House was my first song because it started with a B. So I thought, okay, so it's just opening an app or doing something and just playing the first song. So I rationalized it like that. But then I thought, well, that still <laughs> turned itself on at a specific time, both times, right? Well, I had written my partner, I stopped the car and I wrote her. I said, oh my God, that 11-11 thing happened again. I texted that to her. Well, I don't know if it was probably weeks later, I was going through my texts and I went to, I was deleting texts and I went to that one and I was about to delete it. And I hadn't noticed at the time, the day that happened was on November 11th at 11-11. So it was 11-11-11-11 that that thing happened, the 11-11 thing happened. That the phone unlocked and was playing Burning Down the House. Yes. So another time this happened, again, I had seen things on the clock, but thought, whatever. Like I was starting to see this all the time. And I started thinking I'm going a little crazy. Like, why am I seeing these numbers all the time on the clock? Every time I look at the digital clock, it says that, like when I glance up. And if you do probabilities and you take the number of minutes in the day and you divide it, I think there's like, 2,400 minutes. Is that right? In a day. And if you glance at the clock, so the probability is, is not very high that you, this would happen. But so when it's tied to something like your electronics going nutty, like my camera did, it starts to have more meaning. So another time I was actually visiting my father and I was reading something on my phone to him and my phone just shut off while I was reading. And I thought, oh, my battery must be dead. It just closed itself down. But then it started itself back up. It takes a little while, you know, and then a little Apple icon shows up on there and then the time flashes. It did this and it turned itself off and back on at 111 and I had a full battery. So another time this happened, because I started writing it down every time something like this would happen. And so like I said, one time, so what? Two times, so what? But then I have a list of 10, 15 times. That your phone would shut off and turn on at 11-11 or 111? Yes, or some something would happen at that time. Like, for example, I was at the gym. This was a couple of years ago before COVID. And I was listening to a podcast on the bike. And my phone shut itself off. And turned itself off in the middle of the podcast. And I thought, you know, God, what is going on with my phone? It turned itself back on at 111. And I remember looking up and it said I had burned 111 calories. You know how the thing says that? So it was 111 calories at 111. And the podcast turns itself off and turns itself back on. But, I mean, one time's a coincidence, but these multiple times, and this is the only times it's happening. It's always tied into 111. Yes, Right. So my phone does not, I like if it turned off another time, you know, at, you know, 1230 or, or, or whatever, but it doesn't do that. It doesn't ever do that. It doesn't just turn itself off and turn itself back on. The only times it's ever happened are at those times. So it started really getting my attention. So I Googled 
why do I keep seeing 111? Why do I keep seeing 111? And you can just dive into that and see. It's like supposed to be the veil is thinning. You're having a spiritual awakening. You're more receptive to, you know, so I don't know what else to say about that except for it seems like more than coincidence. You know, when something keeps happening beyond the odds, there's it's worth considering, really strongly considering. I mean, it's just a weird thing. Right. And I, I'm not the only one. Like, I had never heard of this 111, 11, 11 stuff until I then Googled it and saw that I, this, I'm not the only person this is happening to. I mean, those are all really amazing stories, all really transformative. And I mean, really the culmination is what happened with your ex with the phone. That's one of the most incredibly evidential stories I've heard. And, uh, you know, specifically asking for something concrete and not like, you know, a feather or a, you know, a bird showing up at my window or whatever you want to, you know, I've heard of these things and I thought, you know, I always brush those off to you. Well, you know, there are a lot of feathers around. There are a lot of, you know, there's, oh, you can always talk yourself out of it and just, you know, so it's a coincidence, but I can't say that that could have ever been, there's no way to say that's a coincidence. The odds of guessing how many numbers are there in a phone number, nine numbers. And I mean, hearing in a dream, I mean, you could guess, I mean, it would just be interesting at some point to do the statistics of what are the odds of correctly guessing a number just out of curiosity to get those statistics but but it's infinitesimal i mean it's not possible right probably if you challenged everybody in the whole world like had one phone number planned and everybody in the whole world to guess it probably coincidentally one person out of all the billions of people would get it is my guess you know it's, it's probably one in billions if even i mean maybe one in trillions you know Oh, you did ask, you asked if there was a significant book or anything I read or, um, there was one and, um, my sister actually gave it to me. Uh, I think it was around Christmas of 14. So I was reading it at the time I found out my, uh, ex had died and it was called proof of heaven by Eben Alexander. He's the neurosurgeon. He had went into a coma, right. And had a near death experience and, you know, he's a brain surgeon and that was really significant, that book. And then, of course, he's been on a lot of interviews and on YouTube. And so I started um, listening to him a bit. And that was another, because he's so science-minded and didn't believe in any of this at all, because he studied the brain, um, his near-death experience completely changed his mind. And anybody that's interested, I'd recommend reading that book and looking into him. So that was one definitely that had an influence on me. And again, I, that book was, I read it right when all this was happening. And it was interesting that my sister, she's a school teacher and she picked this book up at a book fair and just happened to just, well, she actually gave it to my partner for Christmas and I ended up taking it, reading it. So I thought that was interesting, the timing of that, because she's never given us a book before. And the fact that she chose that one at her children's book fair. Yeah. You've really, some of your stories, uh, that phone number story is amazing. So I think everyone's going to appreciate hearing it. So thank you for sharing everything. And I would be interested to hear if you have anyone else that's ever had like that sort of thing happen where a phone number or something came to them in a dream. Yes. If any of you have had something like that, either email me and I'll have you on the podcast or comment on wherever this is posted. But I would love to have you on share that story. That would be such 
I mean, it's just so cool. I am curious if anyone's had that because I've never had anything like that. So I've had some evidence, but that's up there. Yeah, maybe maybe it's as simple as asking you shall, shall receive because I asked. <laughs> you know? I mean, I ask for so much evidence all the time. I get some. I've gotten some amazing. So yeah, everyone, anyone who's had that or something similar, you know, maybe someone who gave you like a combination lock or an answer to something you'd been trying to figure out, an address, like a combination to a combination lock. I don't know, something. Speaking of that, you said a combination. Do you have a, you've got a combination lock too? Well, I, I don't know. Like this doesn't happen to me very often, but because I'm such a sound sleeper, but I woke up, I don't know, maybe it was like three weeks ago. And the number woke me up and the number was six, three, 11, 12. And it just woke me up. And I'm trying to think, I'm thinking, do I know anybody born then? What was this? And it was the day after 11, 11, that this number came to me, which was interesting. It was that night that I went to bed on November 11th. Six, three, 11, 12. I'm just writing it down. Cause you don't know what it is. Do you? No, I have no idea. So I wrote it down and I'm just going to keep it with me. And, but it was, it was a, the voice, not my voice. It was just the voice. And I woke up with my eyes wide open and I, I six, three, 11, 12. I don't know what that means, but, uh, it was the night I went to bed on 11, 11. So it was that morning that that happened. Well, I wrote it down. So I'm curious. I'll see. I wrote it too. I'm just was like, do I recognize this anything since you felt compelled to share it here, but I have no idea. I'm going to check. I'll think if it does, I'll let you know. If any of you recognize that number as some major thing, let us know too. Maybe there's a reason Krista was supposed to say it now. Yeah, maybe so. I'm going to say one last thing. So that 11-11 stuff was all in like 2016, 17-ish, 18. And now and, now and then I'll see it, you know, but nothing significant like that happens until you had mentioned this, the date of I am blocking out the date so it can stay evidential for medium readings. It was significant to you. And you had asked me if anything, if that means anything to me. And I said, no, I, I don't, I, you know, I'll have to think about it. And I, I remember like a week later, I wrote you because I, I had remembered, I wrote down that this, another one of those 111 things happened to me and they hadn't for a couple of years and like where an electronic device was tied into it. And I was on uh, 2021 and I remember I, Jimmy Kimmel was on, on the television and I was on the couch um, actually watching a YouTube video on my phone about a topic called twin flames, which people can look that up if they want. So I was watching this video and all of a sudden the television just turned itself off and started flashing black and white, black and white, black and white. and I thought, oh, that's where my dog must be laying on the remote, right? So I went to see if he was laying on the remote and it wasn't. The remote was sitting on the on the armrest of the couch and the television stopped and turned itself back on and it was on channel 111. Weird. And this happened at 1111 or just a different time? No, it was like at 1145 or something. Yeah, but it was at, the channel was 111. You know, there were like... 2000 channels on direct TV or something crazy like that. And I think Jimmy Kimmel's like on channel two or channel six, one of the, you know, lower channels, but it just, uh, the, like the, 
the TV went berserk and then it just, it stopped in channel 111 and it was like a Chuck Norris exercise, you know, promotional video or something like this. How does that happen? And I didn't do it. My dog didn't do it. How did that happen? So that was the most recent one, but it was on the day that you had asked me if it's significant. So. Approximately 185,000 murder cases went unsolved from 1980 to 2019. On average, 66% of homicides are solved each year. So what about the other 34%? Alarmingly, the number of murder cases that went unsolved by police hit a new high in 2020, resulting in only 50% of cases being solved, leaving far too many families with no answers, no resolution, no closure. That's why we investigate and report on unsolved cases, to spread the word in hopes of helping families who are searching for answers. We don't sleep, we're just actively looking for her. These girls were alive, they were living, breathing people, they weren't a picture in the media. There was a, a body found in a truck recently. None of us know anything about that body, who, who was it, what happened. What could have happened? Who could have been involved? There's no answer. And, and it's just horrible. A true crime series investigating mysterious unsolved cases. Real people, real stories, real crimes. Tune into Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. We are at Speaking of Crime on Instagram and Facebook, and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. And now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. So Maya asks, so how is it being friends with psychic mediums? Do you ever feel weird that they know all your secrets? Okay, I was worried in the beginning that they would know all my deepest secrets or just know every awkward thought that was running through my head. But they've told me it's not like that. First of all, when they do medium readings, which means they're communicating with someone who's passed away, they say it's more like playing charades than talking on the phone. So when they read us, living people, psychically, that seems to be the same. It's just not that perfect, or there would be no more skepticism if they could know every single thought and past experience without boundaries about people. They also need to tune into us, and we need to give them permission when they give us psychic readings. So there seems to need to be some consent on our end before they just know everything about us. At times, they might know some things more than someone who is not psychic. I've noticed personally, they might know some weird, totally random information. For example, they might know the name of a first boyfriend or like sense that a certain time in our life was really hard. They might know a thing or two that is very specific, but it's not this constant boundaryless, violating, creepy level. I don't even think about it anymore when I hang out with them. And 
you know, I have heard sometimes they'll know if something is happening at the moment where they might need to come help you. The way it seems to work seems to be pretty positive rather than violating and shaming and negative. And also, as my friendships have deepened and I've opened up more and more, it's not like whenever I began sharing the stuff that's more personal, they already knew it at all. So yeah, they might know some things, but there seems to be limits and boundaries and respect to how these abilities work. If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. And that was a fascinating conversation. And thank you so much for listening. If any of you have any major what the fucks, reach out. I'd love to have you on, possibly. So thanks for listening. get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to wtfjusthappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them, trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened. <laughs>